At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is our number two of the look ahead right here on VSIN, the sports betting network, and we've got a tremendous hour for you. We're going to be diving into a lot of what we're going to be seeing in terms of Major League Baseball on this Tuesday, and we're going to be joined by a pair of great guests along the way. As Justin Perry does a great job with Odds Checker, he's going to be joining me in 15 minutes to be able to help break down the card with me, and Tanner McGrath. He does a great job over there at a wide variety of different places, picks-wise, lineups, list goes on and on. And he's a man that does a great job of being able to take a look at the Miami Marlins. And the reason why we've got him on is that Sandy Alcantara is going to be on the mound for Tuesday. One of the top guys with regards to the National League Cy Young Award. So going to be taking a look at the Marlins. Going to be taking a look at the Cy Young Award as well. Going to be taking a look at some of the top pitchers that you might want to be betting and maybe a few top pitchers that you might want to be fading as well because sometimes the best value is taking a look at a guy that you don't want to be betting on. And as you guys know, I wind up doing a write-up every day for DK Nation, DraftKings Nation. And with that, I wound up alluding to the fact that there are some guys that you don't want to be betting on. That's going to be the basis of this write-up. How about if we wind up going 9-13, 9-14 on the bang board? The Walker Texas Rangers are on the road facing off against the Baltimore Orioles. Austin Voth is going to be going for the Rangers, and Spencer Howard is going to be getting the start for Texas. Texas is back to being a very slight favorite in a lot of spots. DraftKings is really the only book that I'm seeing with the Baltimore Orioles as a favorite. You're finding them at a minus 115 there. A lot of other books, you're finding them more around even money with the Rangers being the favorite right around about a minus 110 in a lot of spots. At DraftKings, you're able to find them at a minus 105, so... Like the Rangers, you probably want to be going to DraftKings with a total on this game of nine and a half. And I take a look at Spencer Howard, and it's going to be his first start ever since April. This is going to be start number four of the season for him. And in his first three starts of the season, he wanted combining to go six and two-thirds innings. And as a matter of fact, he has went four innings or fewer in each out of his last 18 appearances in total. He is not going to be able to lend a lot of length. Now, Austin both on the other side, he's also not going to be lending a lot of length. This is going to be start number four of him for the season. He's went between two and two-thirds and three innings and every one of them, but he has been far more competent. For Austin Voth, he has given up four total runs, two of which were earned. He was hurt by a few errors in his last start against the Seattle Mariners. Meanwhile, for Spencer Howard, rocking a nice big old 12-15 ERA in six and two-thirds innings. It has been far from terrific for him. Overall, for his career, he just finds it giving up a lot of the deep ball. Gives up over five walks per nine innings. So, 
just a bad, bad situation for him. And awesome both. I think what just wound up doing him a lot of good was getting out of the city of Washington, D.C. I mean, that was a case in which in Washington, D.C., 19 appearances this year, a 10-13 ERA. Ever since he wound up getting to Baltimore, three starts, three also relief appearances, a three ERA. And this has been a Baltimore Orioles team that they've done a good job of being able to pick a couple guys up off the scrap heap and really turning them into competent pitchers. We are seeing that with a bullpen that currently ranks in the top four in the big leagues in terms of ERA. Guys like CNL Perez, Ore Lopez, guys that were cast-offs in other places now are giving this team a sub-225 ERA in their bullpen. Dylan Tate has been able to do a solid job along with Felix Bautista as well. And I will say this, to the credit of the Texas Rangers, they now rank sixth in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. And over the last three days, they rank in the top four in terms of bullpen ERA. You've had a lot of guys like a Brock Burke being able to do a rock-solid job for the team along Dennis Santana. But I bring up those two guys because both of them wound up having to pitch in an extra inning game on Monday, which means that a lot of your more trustworthy guys for the Texas Rangers bullpen they are going to be out the fold. That winds putting them behind the eight ball just a little bit. And it's a Texas Rangers bunch that they've just been a Jekyll and Hyde offense thus far this season. You've got guys that are able to get on base for you. Adelise Garcia, Josh Smith, along with Leody Tavares. You're able to throw in there quite a few of the catchers for the team as well, like Jonah Heim. These guys are in between about a 245 to a 260. You've been able to get a double digit amount of homers out of Jonah Heim for Marcus Simeon after a really bad start to the year. He's had 10 home runs in about the last 35 or so games. Trey Seager does have 15 home runs, but hasn't necessarily been able to get on base. But I do take a look at the bigger bats for the Baltimore Orioles. Not necessarily a lot of power out of a lot of these guys, but you do have Anthony Santander, who's been able to give you 15 home runs. And then on top of that, Ryan Mountcastle, Trey Mancini, throwing their Austin A's. These guys are in between about a 272 280. Cedric Mullins over the last three days. He's been able to hit nearly a threader. You do have a little bit of a problem at the bottom of fold. Guys like Rudan Odor, Jonathan Arus, you're able to throw in there Ore Mateo. Whenever Calvin Gutierrez has gotten some opportunities, these guys have been posting up a 215 batting average or lower, but with Mateo, he's been right now one of the top guys in terms of stolen bases out there in the league. And for the Baltimore Orioles, 19 and 17 thus far this season at home. So they've been able to do a nice job just being able to move the line in general, being able to provide some good pitching to be able to get this in for you. And for the Texas Rangers, they've been a actually a little bit of a better road team rather than a home team, but using up a lot of their more trustworthy bullpen pieces in a loss on Tuesday, I think it's just going to be a big fault for them. And with Spencer Howard, looked very good at the minor league level, but it's just one of those cases in which I need to see it to believe it out of him because he has always looked good at the minor league level. This is someone that has been propped up, has been a top prospect, ranked by many just very credible sources as well. Sources that typically they do a great job of being able to gauge these prospects. He's just never been able to put it together at the big league level. And there are a lot of starts where you'll find like Spencer Hour looking good for two innings. And then in inning number three, somehow, someway, it goes straight down the toilet bowl as for his career. Second time through a lineup. Whenever he's gotten to the second time through a lineup, opponents hit north of a 350 off of him. So after one look, he is done. So I do think that you've got a Baltimore Orioles team with quite a bit of value here. I like the way that Austin Volt has been going. I like being able to fade Spencer Howard. He looked good in the minor leagues in his last start. He actually wound up going seven innings, wound up giving up, I believe, pretty much like one hit, 11 strikeouts. I think that that means that he is just going to be in for a little bit more of a letdown when he winds up heading to Baltimore. DK Nation pick, 
is going to be on the money line of the Baltimore Orioles. And I think Spencer Howard is going to do what he do, does best. I end up getting rocked, and I do like this total over as well. as I do take a look at us and both probably not going to be long for this game either. So I think that we're going to be getting quite a few runs. I like the over, and I'll be writing up for DK Nation, the Baltimore Orioles money line as out there in the American League. We are finding another game that has a relatively tight line. How about if we wind up going 921-922? The Minnesota Twins, they're on the road. They're facing off against the Chicago White Sox. As Michael Kopech is going to be getting the start for the Southsiders and Chris Archer on the bump for Minnesota. Total on this game is ranging anywhere between 9 and 9.5. You're seeing a relative split here. If you're seeing a 9.5, juice is on the under. If you're seeing a 9, the juice is on the over. And when it comes to White Sox, you're finding them between about a minus 126 to a minus 135. Right around plus 115 to plus 120 is your price on Minnesota. And I was talking in the last game about Howard and both not being able to give you a lot of length. You know what you're getting out of Chris Archer, and it's not going to be a lot of length out of him either. In every one of his starts this season, except for one, I believe, he has went between four and five innings. And the one that he didn't, he wanted going less than five innings. So Chris Archer has not exceeded five innings all season long. There's no reason whatsoever to think that he's going to be able to do so here now. It's been a case in which Chris Archer hasn't wound up giving up a lot of runs. He's been able to do a solid job of holding down the fort right around a 3-1 ERA. But with Archer, he's going to jack up his pitch count. He gives up right around four walks per nine innings. Has done a nice job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. But with that said, he is going to have some command issues. And this is a White Sox team that all of a sudden, they're getting a little bit hotter with the bats. As you've got Jose Abreu, who's been able to well above a 330. Over the last three days, Tim Anderson has been able to 335 for this team. Andrew Vaughn, Luis Robert, these guys in between about a 280 to a 300. The big bugaboo that we've had with the White Sox has been a lack of power. As Abreu with his 10 home runs, that currently leads the team. And it's been a case in which the White Sox have the last few years really done a lot of their damage against left-handed pitching. If you compare their left-handed pitching and their right-handed pitching statistics, they hit about 45 points higher against left-handed pitching. It's been one of the stranger things that I have seen. And when it comes to this Minnesota Twins team, the bullpen that comes in behind Chris Archer, it's not great. It's not terrible. They've been right around league average all season long in terms of their bullpen. As a matter of fact, right now, they sit 16th out of 30 teams in terms of their bullpen. All right, Griffin Jacks, along with Yohan Duran, have really been the main two guys that have been piggybacking off of Chris Archer, both of these guys have a sub-3 ERA, and you do have some good guys like a Giovanni Moran that you're able to trust in with this bullpen. You've also got guys like Emilio Pagan and Gail Fielbar that you want absolutely no part of because they've got north of a 5 ERA, and they wind up giving up a whole bunch of jacks. Meanwhile, with the White Sox, good news for them is that they wound up getting Liam Hendricks back into their bullpen for Monday. Bad news is they probably had to use Liam Hendricks in game number one on Monday, along with Kendall Graveman. These are really your top two bullpen pieces, and it's really not a good Chicago White Sox bullpen. I've heard a lot of people trying to prop this team up and talk about how good the bullpen is. They're currally 20th in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA at a 4-1-4. I recognize that there's a little bit more when it comes to being able to gauge a bullpen than just ERA, but these guys have not been terrific thus far this season. And even over the last three days, 388 ERA, that ranks right around 17th to 18th in the league. So I've got your issues, Aaron, with the Minnesota Twins. Whenever Byron Bucks is out there and healthy, this has been an incredible team. He's got 22 home runs this season. He's getting a home run in nearly every 10 at-bats. It's been incredible. Luis Rice is a good table setter for the team. And then got a bunch of guys like 
a Gilberto Cicino, along with a Nick Gordon, that do a nice job being able to move the line. Carlos Correa has been down in terms of his power numbers, but is able to hit nearly a 300 with this team. But I do think that the Chicago White Sox have a nice advantage with Michael Kopech. Is regression imminent with him? Yes, opponents are a 0.95 off of him at home, but he's got right around a 2-2. Homie right, does give up a few more walks than you'd like, but he's got absolutely nasty subs. And I do think that with the Minnesota Twins not being able to get a lot of length out of Chris Archer, it is going to wind up costing them in this game. I think that both guys are going to be relatively solid. I'm going to be taking a look at this total under. Set my total at an 8.2, and I'm going to lay pretty much up to a minus 150 with the Chicago White Sox. So I'm going to be looking White Sox, and I'm going to be looking under. And coming up next, we're going to be looking at what we've all got in terms of these juicy Tuesday MOB matchups with our good friend Justin Perry of Oddchecker. That is up next right here on The Look At on Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. This is the look ahead right here on VSN, the sports betting network. And great to be joined by our guest as Justin Perry does a terrific job taking a look at the game of baseball for Odds Checker. You're able to follow him on Twitter at Justin Perry. And then that last name is spelt with an I at the end of it. And then the number eight. And Justin, great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Greg, always great to be here. Excited to chat about some baseball. Yes, sir, it is. And we were talking about this a little bit off air, but some of the games I find to be most fascinating are when we wind up seeing guys winding up going up against their former team. And this is going to be the first time that we are going to be seeing Jamison Tyon go up against the Pittsburgh Pirates because it's an interleague game. You don't typically wind up having the Yankees and the Pirates doing battle. And right now we're seeing the New York Yankees be a little bit north of a $2 favorite. Where do you wind up leaning both with this one and in general when you do wind up seeing these guys winding up going up against their former team? Because it really feels like it's almost a 50-50 split as to how these guys wind up doing. And a lot of times it's not necessarily a one-run game. It's either the guy gets completely destroyed or the guy winds up turning an absolute gem. Yeah, it's definitely going to be one way or the other here. I feel like it's going to be one of these games where everybody expects Tyone to maybe have some trouble. But his recent form really points towards probably having a good outing against the Pittsburgh Pirates team that is still definitely defeatable for somebody of his caliber, especially in this recent form. Yep, and when it comes to this Pittsburgh Pirates team as well, certainly has been a case in which you don't have a lot of guys being able to generate a lot of power at this point, even though they've had three separate guys hit for three home runs ever since Father's Day. 
It's one of the most strange things I've ever seen in my life. Three different three home run performances for a team that doesn't wind up having a lot of power on it in general and a team that really doesn't do a great job of being able to generate offense on a night and a night out basis. So that might be one of the biggest outliers that we've ever seen. And another thing when it comes to just handicapping spots in general as well is being able to gauge guys coming off the injured list. Typically, I love to be able to fade guys off the injured list, but when it comes to Reds versus Mets, you have to pick someone if you're going to be betting on this game that you have to back coming off the injured list. As Nick Lodolo is going to be going for the Reds, Max Scherzer coming off of the injured list for the New York Mets, and the Mets are finding themselves in a lot of spots right around about a minus 190-ish favorite. tell you right now, that's a little bit more juice than I'd be willing to lay on the Mets. This would be a run line on the Mets or a money line on the Reds play for me. And I don't know about you, but I trust the Max Scherzer a whole heck of a lot more than our good friend Nick Lodolo making his fourth career start. Yeah, I was about to say this. Lodolo has not exactly pitched a lot in the majors. He is still pretty young, only had three games so far. didn't really look so good, except for maybe that last performance against the Cardinals. But it's so hard to gauge with such a little bit of data. I feel like with Scherzer, you know that this guy's coming out. He's a competitive animal. He's going to look to get on track immediately. The Mets have missed him and DeGrom so much. Great to see both these guys getting back into the game. Really excited. I think, again, I'm not going to go pay the minus 190. The Reds' offense can do some damage. We've seen a little bit of a struggle out of the Mets' bullpen recently. I'm probably with you taking either the run line if you think it's going to be a dominant performance or maybe even the upset call, but I'd be late in the game. Yep, and I am always a proponent of this as well. Typically, when you do like run lines like I do in this game, typically you like them with a little bit of higher scoring games as well because it's much more difficult to wind up winning a game by two-plus runs when there winds up being like six, seven runs scored in a game rather than if you think that it's going to be a double-digit amount of scoring in that one. Like I think that the Mets are going to be able to get to Nick Lodolo and the Reds' bullpen. I'm not even kidding when I say this. Over the last three days, they have posted up an ERA of 8.02. I pulled it up just to make sure that I didn't wind up giving them any more credit than they deserved. I thought it was a 7.71. Turns out it's an 8.02, so it's actually worse than I was thinking at first. But that said, I do think that that is so important to do with regards to taking a look at run lines because now we're going to get into that time of year, especially after the trade deadline where you've got some teams that are going to be complete and under fades. And when it comes to being able to take a look at run lines, I think that it's very important to be taking a look at just the actual scoring itself because you would absolutely hate it to wind up having a run line at that land on one. Yeah, no, that's never fun to have happen. I think tomorrow at Great American Ballpark, we should have a good shot at getting a couple home runs. It's one of the higher scoring parks in the league. So yeah, it's probably a good place to take that away favorite run line on the Mets because they're going to get that guaranteed at bat in the ninth inning as well. Makes it a little bit safer than a home favorite run line. Yep, and it certainly has been one of the best over teams out there in Major League Baseball in the Cincinnati Reds. And another one of the best over teams, especially recently, has been the Toronto Blue Jays. They're going to be playing against the Oakland A's. And Yusei Kikuchi has been a guy that I have loved to fade all season long. Don't know if I can necessarily do that against Adrian Martinez of the Oakland A's. And the A's, they wound up being able to get the job done on Monday as Alec Manoa. That was not necessarily a great start out of him. And Cole Irvin looked relatively solid. For the Oakland A's. That said, I don't know how you're gauging Yusei Kikuchi right now, and it's a case in which we've got a total out there of eight. I recognize that the Marine Layers out in Oakland. Oakland, one of the most pitcher-friendly ballparks in baseball, and I love being able to take their low totals under. 
I cannot do it in this spot with Yusei Kikuchi going up against Mr. Adrian Martinez and this Blue Jays offense. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. I think the Blue Jays are probably one of those teams people expect to bounce back, and that's kind of what we're seeing in the line right now. It might be a bit heavy for me to play the money line, but I'm looking at something like a first five team total, team total for the full game. I expect for the Blue Jays to get some runs on the board after having some trouble yesterday. This is still one of the best offense in baseball, and they're going to do some damage. No question. I do think that we're going to see a lot of damage out of them, and We've been talking about quite a few games with some lopsided money lines at this point. How about if we wind up going with a game that I expect both of these teams to at minimum be fighting for the postseason, if not wind up getting into the postseason. That'd be Rays and the Boston Red Sox. Nick Bavetta going to be going for the Sox. Got Jeffrey Springs on the bump for the Rays and relatively respectable money line here. In a lot of places, you're finding it in the neighborhood about a minus 125 on the Boston Red Sox and right around a plus 105 to a plus 115 on the Tampa Bay Rays. I was willing to go up to about a minus 130 personally with the Boston Red Sox. So it's not like I see a massive differential here, but I see a good enough price that I'm willing to lay it with the Boston Red Sox. I've been incredibly impressed by Nick Pavetta. Not sure where you wind up landing on this one, but two very good teams. And I'm willing to trust in the home favorite here. Yeah, no, I think I'm with you on this. It's not a very steep price. I've been a little underwhelmed by the Rays at times this year. I think Boston is trying to put their season back together in a little bit of a way they were probably one of the teams that has been the biggest disappointments in baseball. There was a lot of expectation with the team, obviously some injuries to that pitching staff is not going to help anything. But again, Pavetta has been maybe the shining star of the staff looking to get back to back wins against the Rays division opponent is definitely on the menu here today. I I'm with you. I think it's not too steep. Probably want to get it before it hits minus minus one forty. I agree with you there. And, I do think that this is going to be a interesting handy spot, handicap spot as well because there was a game out there in St. Louis and Atlanta that it wound up wrapping up after the West Coast games. You don't wind up seeing that very often. So happy 4th of July to all the players that wound up playing for the Braves and the St. Louis Cardinals as they wound up probably leaving the ballpark after 1 a.m. But now they're going to have to wind up doing it again. Andre Pallanti, young starter for the St. Louis Cardinals, is going to be going at it. And then for the Atlanta Braves, you've got Ian Anderson on the bump. Anderson has not been a great year for him. He's been giving up a lot of walks. Now, hard contact has honestly not been the worst in the world, but he's just giving up a lot of general contact. And for Pallanti, doesn't get a lot of strikeouts. I do think that a little bit of regression is doing for him. But we've seen the total wind up going up to a 9.5, opened up at 9. And I do think that there might be lingering effects of this game on Monday that wound up just being delayed so much. It might have a little bit of an effect on the batters and I do think that if we wind up continuing to see this total go up and if it stays at a nine and a half or greater might be a little bit of a sneaky under I'm with you actually look people love playing overs at Truist it's going to be a hot day down there there's probably going to be reasons in the weather but I actually think Ian Anderson has just been a little bit on the unlucky side his ex-woba shows that his ERA should be closer to four than the 5.3 he's been throwing out the season Maybe a couple batted balls that just went to the right place at the right time. It happens in the sport, right? We've all fell victim to, you know, maybe a, a ball just whizzing by a glove a couple too many times. But I think this is going to be a spot he looks to get right. That last outing, seven runs for him. You got to come out with maybe trying something not too different, but just working with your catcher, trying to figure out a way to play against these Cardinals. They are a little bit worse against right-handed pitchers. So you could see him have a bit of a bounce back. There's probably a little bit of a discount on the Braves because of it. Palante 
on the other side of expected numbers, he's expected to regress a little bit, should be pitching closer to around a three ERA compared to the two. I think the Braves could get to him. This is still one of the better offenses in baseball. We've seen it. Um, but yeah, under seems wise because they might be tired for sure. Yep. It's just one of those things to which you typically don't see it on the 4th of July where a game winds up wrapping up after midnight, but I'm sure that the fireworks were so great. And I certainly think that we're going to see some fireworks on Tuesday and you always deliver them as well, Justin, you do an absolutely great job being able to handicap the game of baseball. Thank you so much for joining me right here on the look at pleasure, Greg, anytime. Justin does an absolutely amazing job being able to take a look at baseball and just so many great handicapping angles on this board for Tuesday. So let's continue to dive into it on the other side. We were alluding to a few of them and we had on quite a few of the American League games a little bit earlier in the hour. How about if we wind up going to the National League side of things next right here on the look at on VEASAN. Greg Peterson holding it down for Scott Seidenberg tonight on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Ice cold beers and cold hard cash. Join in on the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free to play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 years or older, terms and conditions, and other eligibility restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And as per usual, please do drink responsibly as it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson. A big thanks to Justin Perry of Odds Checker for joining me in the last segment. Tremendous MLB handicapper. And coming up in 15 minutes, we're going to be taking a look at a little bit more baseball with Tanner McGrath. Does a great job with picks, flies, lineups, a lot of other different places. I know that he's got a little bit of an angle as to what we're seeing with the Miami Marlins as far this season. Talk a little bit about Sandy Alcantara, his odds to be able to win the Cy Young as well. So we've got a lot that's going to be coming up there. And how about if we wind up hitting upon a few games out there in the National League as we've hit a lot on the American League thus far this hour. And we're going to start things off with a game that we wanted to alluding to a little bit earlier. 905-906 on the betting board. Ian Anderson and the Atlanta Braves are going to be playing us the St. Louis Cardinals as Andre Pallanti is going to be getting the start for the Cardinals. And we've seen this total go up. Wound up opening up at 9. Now we're finding it at a 9.5. And, and I'm seeing the Atlanta Braves as anywhere between about a minus 135 to a minus 145 favorite. And when it comes to the St. Louis Cardinals, it's going to be getting them anywhere between a plus 125 to a plus 130, and when it comes to Ian Anderson, I was talking about it with Justin in the last segment, and I'm in agreement. He's been a little bit unlucky thus far this season. Now, the big thing for Ian Anderson, he needs to work on the walks, as he's been giving up right around four walks for nine innings. That's not necessarily too ideal, but take a look at Andre Pallanti, and I feel like he's been getting quite lucky this year as well. He's been inducing a lot of soft contact to his credit, but it's always a little bit of a dangerous game. One of his teammates in Dakota Hudson. He winds up playing this game as well. But for Andre Pallanti, not a big swing and miss guy. And to the, I guess you call it detriment of Ian Anderson as well. Anderson has been getting right around seven ass strikeouts per nine innings as well. So you'd expect a little bit more from him as well. But both of these guys just have not been able to do a great job of being able to get swings and misses. And yet Pallanti has a sub three ERA. I do think that this is going to be doing for quite a bit of regression. And you do take a look at both of these offenses, and they both have been rock solid this year. You've got for the Atlanta Braves, Michael Harris is second. 
been doing a great job ever since he wanted getting the call up to the big leagues. He's hitting a 300. Austin Riley has been able to give you 20 home runs thus far this season. You've got guys like a Travis Sarno along with Matt Olson who have been able to give you a double-digit amount of bombs as well. But I was talking about just the little bit of the angle in general that I have with regards to the under in this game. It's that you wind up seeing a game that wound up having a first pitch of 4.20 p.m. Pacific time, 7.20 p.m. Eastern. It wrapped up after midnight because we wound up seeing darn near a two-hour rain delay in that game. You got to feel like that's going to affect a lot of the guys that were out there on the field. Now, fortunately, it is a little bit more of a night game that's going to be going down on Tuesday as well. So that winds up helping them out a little bit. But I do think that there might be a couple lingering, lingering effects that both of these bullpens have been relatively solid. For the Atlanta Braves, they're a top three bullpen in the National League. It's been a little bit touch and go for them in recent days. A.J. Minter has been a tad bit up and down, but by and large, these guys have been able to come in. They've been able to do a solid job. You did wind up burning up Will Smith yesterday as well, and it's not been too terrific for this bullpen. Dylan Lee has been a little bit more trustworthy for this team, but then on the flip side, you've got a bullpen of a bunch of guys that have been a little bit up and down for the St. Louis Cardinals, but one of the biggest constants has been Ryan Helsley. He's been able to give you a sub-two ERA. On top of that, Giovanni Gallegos has been relatively formidable for the team. Genesis Cabrera being out of the fold, that does wind up hurting them. But I do think that there's good value here on these St. Louis Cardinals, especially with the way that Paul Goldschmidt has been just so good this year. I feel like he should be really getting a little bit more love than he's been getting for National League MVP. 19 home runs, hitting well above a 330 for this bunch. And then on top of that, the young guys like Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson, they've been able to step up. They've been able to get on base around their Nolan Arenado, more of the veteran that's been able to give the team 17 home runs, hitting a 281. Yepes has been hitting right around 280 as well. Nolan Gorman has been able to give the team a nice little bit of a breath of life as well. So you've got a lot of guys for the St. Louis Cardinals team that have been able to step up. They've been able to do a rock-solid job, even with dealing with some ailments with regards to more of the veteran guys. The team has been able to do a nice job of being able to provide in a night in and night out. Relatively solid value. Now, Cardinals slides two nights. A combined three runs in total. I do think that they're going to be able to pick up a little bit, but I do think that this is a total that is going to stay under. I think that both of these bullpens and both of these starters are going to be able to lend a relatively solid performance. And with the Cardinals, getting anything north of a plus 115 was appealing to me. Getting them more in the neighborhood about a plus 125 to a plus 130. That is calling my name. So I'm going to be taking a look at a plus price with the cards, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under, and then staying out there in the National League Central. You've got the Cubs and the Brewers doing battle. This is 907-908 with the Professor Kyle Hendricks going for the Cubs, and Jason Alexander, no, not the comedian from Seinfeld. He is going to be on the bump for Milwaukee, and Milwaukee now finding themselves in a lot of spots right in between about a minus 135 to a minus 140 favorite. This is down from the opener of minus 145, and for the Cubs, it's anywhere between plus 120 and plus 127. And you're finding a total of nine with the nine having juice on the under. It did wind up opening up at an eight and a half. And this is another spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at a little bit of a sneaky under because just got a Brewers team that in general, you don't have a lot of guys getting on base for this team. You've got one regular position player hitting above 255. And that would be Mark Brasso. And Brasso has missed quite a bit of the season in general. He's someone that platoons a little bit more, too. And then when it comes to the power of the Milwaukee Brewers, you do have Willie Adamas, and you also do have Rowdy Tellez, who will be able to give you 16 home runs thus far this season. But Hunter Renfro has been out of the fold due to an injury. You've had Christian Yelich along with Andrew McCutcheon be able to get back a little bit more to the good old days when those guys were all-stars, both of these guys now hitting above a 250. But you just expected more 
out of Christian Yelich for how much he is getting paid. And for the Chicago Cubs, C.A. Suzuki wound up returning to the fold on Monday, and he wound up actually giving the team a home run. But they've been really lacking a lot of power aside for Patrick Wisdom. Was able to give you 17 home runs, both Patrick Wisdom. This guy's on pace for over 200 strikeouts this year. He has just been swinging and missing in general. But you do take a look up and down the line, and you do have guys that are able to get on base for this team. Rafael Ortega's been solid with that. I mentioned Contreras. He, along with Ian App, both have north of a 380 on base. For the Chicago Cubs team, Christopher Morrell has done a nice job of being able to move the line in. For the Cubs, the big trepidation that you've got with this team, it is the bullpen as the bullpen over the last three days has been one of the worst out there in all of baseball. As a matter of fact, the only team with a worse bullpen ERA in the big leagues, that'd be the Cincinnati Reds. And they've got an eight ERA over the last three days. The Cubs, they're second worst at a 537. So they certainly have been having a really rough go of it. And for the professor, Kyle Hendricks, he's always been better at home than he has been on the road. This year has been a little bit of an exception because the professor has been finding himself playing in Wrigley Field on a lot of days, in which a wind is blowing out. As a result, he has given up a lot of home runs in Wrigley thus far this season. But I do think that Kyle Hendricks is going to be able to lend a relatively okay start here. I don't think that it's going to be anything supreme or anything like that. But with Kyle Hendricks, does a good job of not necessarily giving out a lot of walks, right in the neighborhood, about 2.4 walks per nine innings. And Jason Alexander is a hard guy to figure out. Yeah, we'll say that about the Seinfeld show as well. But with that said... With Jason Alexander, he has been able to keep the ball in the yard, but giving up nearly four walks per nine innings. Not a big swing and miss guy, as he's been getting right in the neighborhood about four and a half strikeouts per nine innings. And his fielding independent yet is still right around a 436. He just does a really good job of being able to induce soft contact. It feels like Miller Park really plays to a lot of his strengths. So I think that it's going to be really fascinating to gauge him moving forward. And with the Brewers, you do want to be noting, and you might be able to get a little bit of better price on this as a result. Josh Hader along Devin Williams both wound up getting used up in their win on Monday. And Josh Hader, he wound up actually giving up a home run, wound up throwing north of 20 pitches. And I believe that that was at minimum the second time in the last three days that he had thrown at least 20 pitches. That actually might have been back-to-back days. So you got to figure that he is going to be knocked out and unavailable in this game, which means that you've got to handicap more of the ancillary guys. This is Brent Suter. Hobie Milner, guys like this. And Hobie Milner has been able to do a solid job with regards to this Brewers bullpen. A sub-3 ERA, Brent Suter, the Raptor. He has been having a little bit of a rough go of it this season, but it's been a little bit of a turnaround ever since he wound up having a bad start to the campaign. He's been posting up right around a 3 ERA over the last three days. So if you look at him overall for the year, it's not necessarily been going great. If you look at him over the last month, month and a half, he's been able to dial it in a little bit more. And this is just a Cubs versus Brewers series that, in general, if you take a look at it over the last three years, over 60% of games have been going under. I do think that there is a relatively strong trend. A lot of these teams, these two teams, they wind up seeing each other quite a bit, and I don't know how, I don't know why, but it always seems to be an under sort of series. And I do think that you're going to see a pair of guys that pitch a contact, be able to keep the ball in the yard just with the lack of pop that both of these teams do wind up having. So, here at the 9, I'm going to be taking a look at an under with Jason Alexander. I think that he's going to be able to keep the ball in the yard. And I do think that the backup guys for the Brewers bullpen 
Going to be able to do enough to be able to get the win. I'm going to lay up to a minus 140 with them. And coming up next, we are going to be taking a look at the Miami Marlins. And we're going to be taking a little bit more of a look in general as to this baseball card that we've got on Tuesday with Tanner McGrath. That is up next right here on the Look At on Visa, the Sports Bank Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has a series of CityCasts that are designed to tackle sports from a local perspective. There are CityCasts for Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Los Angeles, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever your podcast says. It is the look at with myself, Greg Peterson. And great to be joined by Tanner McGrath. He does a great job as a writer slash analyst over there for places like lineups, picks wise, along with the Action Network. And Tanner, it is great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for having me on, Greg, and uh, happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July to you as well. And I think that it is in my contract whenever someone winds up coming on with a Miami Marlins visor that we have to start with that game first. As it's going to be a good one between the Marlins and the LA Angels. It's going to be North or Syndergaard who's going to be going for the Angels. And then you've got Sandy Alcantara is going to be on the bump for Miami. And not much of a surprise here. Miami has taken the money thus far, opened up right around a minus 130 favorite. Now you're seeing them in a lot of places, more around a minus 135 to a minus 140. How do you wind up gauging this? And just what have you made out of the season in general for Sandy Alcantara? Because it has been magnificent. It's obviously magnificent what he's doing. It's also really important to understand exactly how he's doing it. So obviously, firstly, he's a workhorse. Um, his nickname is El Caballo, the horse. Um, he's pitched 18 more innings than anyone in baseball with Robbie Bray in second place. But he's a power pitcher that's figured out how to be more of a finesse pitcher. He combines like an early game, Zach Greinke with some late game, Justin Verlander. He takes it easy in the first few frames, keeping his fastball velocity down around 94, 95, but forcing more ground balls to be efficient. And then as he works through those later innings, he starts to rear it up and give it that triple, you know, give them the triple digit fastball we all know they can give him. And it just allows him to turn the lineup card over and over again. His fourth time through the order, his ERA is down at point zero point eight seven. So it's just fascinating to watch. I also am high on the Marlins in general because I think their offense has a lot more upside than we've shown. Um, having Brian Anderson back in the uh, lineup has been huge. He has a 13% walk rate this season, 130 WRC+. And if Nick Fortes can start can't catching for Sandy and Pablo, 
that automatically improves. That's a massive upgrade from Jacob Stallings, who's easily the biggest hole in this roster right now. His baseball spawn page is, it looks like an iceberg. But all of, all in all, the Marlins have the seventh highest WRC plus against right-handing pitching this year, but they have just 17th highest uh, average with runnings and scoring positions. So I think the offense is going to get better, start to score more runs as we go on. Um, I picked up the Marlins money line earlier today at minus 115. And of course, with Sandy on the mound, it's already moved like crazy, but I, I still like it up at like minus 150. I, I'll happily fade Thor against most teams, and I love it even more against Miami in this future NL Cy Young winner. Yep, I do think that minus 140 would pretty much be my max here, but I'm right there with you. I do like Alcantara in this spot. And going into what we wound up seeing a couple days ago, Sandy Alcantara in a lot of spots, finding himself right around three-ish to one, give or take based on the book that you're shopping at with regards to odds to be able to win the Cy Young. I feel like that's relatively appropriate right now. I do feel like he should be the number one option. I feel like if I were to rank it right now, I'd probably go Sandy Alcantara one, Joe Musgrove at number two, and then Tony Gonsolin has really impressed me. I think that he belongs in the top three right now. Now, do I think that there's going to be regression with Gonsolin? Yes, but you look at the numbers and the numbers themselves, posting up a sub-175 ERA, being able to give all those quality starts, I would give him a little bit of a nod, but... In terms of the Cy Young voting, where would you have it right now with Sandy Alcantara? Where do you think the odds should be? I really think at this point it's a two-man race between Sandy and um, Joe Musgrove. Musgrove is having a brilliant season, but he just hasn't put in the type of um, – he just hasn't pitched as many innings. And you can tell that Sandy, as that number one option, is so much more important to the Marlins as opposed to Joe to the Padres. The Padres have a top five rotation with or without him, in my opinion. Um, I think three to one is fair just because it's such a long season. Um, maybe after the all-star break, if Sandy continues to put out quality start after quality start, you can start to see those odds move down to maybe even like plus 150. But I, if, I don't think Musgrove is going to catch him at this point. I think Sandy is that good. And I think the big thing is health as well. If Sandy Alcantara can just wind up staying out there on the mound because we saw it with Jacob DeGrom last year, he was just running away with things. And I mean, he could have been the National League MVP, let alone the Cy Young, but that unfortunately was a little bit of a derailer there. But with that said, just taking a little bit of a look forward, I do think that we've got some really good matchups that we're going to be seeing on this card for this Tuesday. And I do take a look at another matchup that I do find to be a little bit appealing as well. And that would be what we're going to be seeing with regards to the St. Louis Cardinals and the Atlanta Braves. Ian Anderson going to be on the bump for the Braves. The St. Louis Cardinals, they throw out their Andre Pallanti. And right now we're fighting the Braves at right around a minus 140. And it's an intriguing spot because we wound up seeing the game that wound up going down on Monday, wind up wrapping up at like midnight Eastern time, actually a little bit later than that. I don't know if you wind up gauging that in terms of your handicap, but that leads me to a little bit of a nine and a half under in the spot. I'm not sure if you've got much of a take on this game, but I do think that taking a look at a pair of teams that they want to playing just into pretty much midnight and the very, very early wee hours of the morning. That always is a little bit of an indicator for the next day that perhaps the bats might be a little bit tired. Yeah. And you know, just um, with totals over nine, I always think the sharper spot is taking the under. Um, but as much as I agree with you on that angle, I actually really like the Cardinals in this game. Um, I think the Braves might be a little bit overvalued after that ridiculous June. They went 21-6, and six, a 7.78 win percentage is never really sustainable. Mm-hmm. Ian Anderson, he was once right the heralded young star in the Braves rotation, but his velocity is down and his spin rates. He ranks in the first percentile of qualified pitchers in both fastball spin rate and curveball spin rate, and that never gives me much confidence. 
I'm somewhat high on Andre Pallante. Um, he's just he's a bit of an intriguing pitcher. He avoids barrels at a really impressive rate, and he has a 64% ground ball rate so far this year. I mean, who knows if that's sustainable, but it gives me some confidence to back in the markets right now, and we know what the Cardinals' offense can do as an offense, especially with Paul, Paul Goldschmidt excuse me, hammering it at an MVP level. I'm taking a shot with them at plus money in this one. Hey, I'm right there with you. I felt like the Cardinals should have been more around the plus 115, plus 120 range, seeing them north of that. I'm in agreement with you. I like the Cardinals here as well. And I think that this is going to be a fascinating one as well. I know that you've got a little bit of an angle here with regards to Yankees and the Pirates as Jose Quintana going to be going for the Pirates and going to be the first time that James Tatayan winds up facing off against his former team with the Pittsburgh Pirates and just such an interesting spot with a guy that winds up facing off against his former team. We really do wind up seeing this wind up going one of two ways and it's sort of a different strokes for different folks sort of thing. Because when you wind up seeing a pitcher wind up going up against his former team, either he comes out with a dominant start and he just blows everyone away or he gets destroyed. It's typically not one of these cases where it's like, oh, he went six innings and gave up three runs. It's like gave up six runs in three innings or wound up going like seven scoreless. I don't know which way you see it, but I certainly do think that the Yankees certainly have an upper hand. I'm going to be looking at the Yankees on a run line personally, but want to hear your thoughts. So instead of looking so much at the uh, game-to-game narrative with the pitchers, I like looking at the Pirates as large. I mean, um, one of my good co-workers, Sean Zarillo, bets the Pirates constantly. Great guy, yeah, of course. Um, great MLB better as well. Well, this season, as Moneyline underdogs of plus 175 or higher, the Pirates are 7-11, but for plus 4.48 units of profit. That's a 25% ROI. Jose Quintana due for a ton of regression. I am not super interested in... Um, backing him in any type of way, but a 3.87 XFIP is nothing to be too ashamed about. I am usually willing to fade the Yankees when they're over minus 200 on the money line. It's scary, but I love a good home underdog. The Action Network app has already tracked sharp money coming in on the Pirates, and I'm willing to back that with the Pittsburgh team that is usually worth taking a shot on this plus money. And the offense might get better with O'Neill Cruz, you know, starting to really um, cement himself in that lineup. To your point, whenever I was getting the Pirates against the L.A. Dodgers, just betting on the Pirates in those two series, that was a big, giant money builder. And if you would have actually played the Pirates in that road series that they wound up having against the Dodgers, I would say about a month or so ago, if you wound up taking the money line in the first game and you rolled it over twice, you would have been Mm -hmm. able to get between 48 and 50 to 1 pretty much on your money, which is just absolutely insane right there. So... The Pirates have been relatively profitable as a bit of an underdog to your point. And we've got about 90 seconds or so remaining. If there's, is there any other game that you're sort of going to be taking a look at from a bet, or maybe you're just tracking it in general. And if the line winds up moving one way or another, it might become a play for you. One of my uh, favorite days that we get every five days. It's happy fade. You say, you say, day, excuse yes. me. Walking over five batters per nine innings, he's pitched to a 6.33 XERA this season. He ranks in the first percentile of pit, first percentile of pitchers in average exit velocity allowed, hard hit rate allowed, and barrel rate allowed. I actually kind of liked him in Seattle, but the negative regression that was supposed to come from him is overwhelming. And the Blue Jays are five and ten in his starts this season. The A's are not a good baseball team; they're terrible, maybe the worst team in baseball. But anytime I'm catching over plus 150 on the money line, fading Kikuchi, I'm just going to take the gift and say thank you. And it is a total of eight in this game as well, which I recognize Oakland, very pitcher-friendly ballpark. That just seems too low. But Tanner, you do an absolutely tremendous job. Great to be able to get you on the show tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, thank you so much, Greg. Hope to see you soon.
Tanner doing absolutely tremendous work over there at a wide variety of places. Action Network along with lineups, picks-wise, was great to be able to get him aboard today. And we've been talking a lot of baseball here on the show tonight. How about if we take a look at all the hoopla that we're getting in the NBA offseason? We're going to be diving into that market next right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.